turning to the Old Testament and to the book of Malachi. And then we have a couple of other readings. So I want you to turn to the Word of God with me and listen to the Word of God. It's not what we say, it's what God says that we're concerned about and should be concerned about. So the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, and the chapter 3, and the chapter 3, Malachi chapter 3, and verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. Turn to, oh, on to chapter 4, Malachi chapter 4, and verses 5 and verses 6. The last chapter, and verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Turn over to the New Testament, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Very important that we connect these scriptures. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and the verse 8. In the eighth verse, we have Zacharias, the priest, offering the sacrifices and executing the priest's office. Verse 8, and it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before them in the spirit of the power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people be prepared, prepared for the Lord. One more reading, and it's back in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, and then we will connect them as we preach. Matthew 3 and verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, 
Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruit, meat, meat for repentance. And we'll end the reading there. And the Lord was promised to bless the reading of his word. Let's bow in a wee moment's prayer, please. Now, Father, it is your word. Lord, we need help. Vain is the help of man. There's nothing we can say or do this morning to touch a soul spiritually. It is the work of God. You must increase and I must decrease. Lord, may thou be glorified today in this house through this word that you've given to us. For we ask it in the Savior's name and for his sake. Amen. From the last full stop in Malachi, which you know was the last book in the Old Testament, to the first jot in Matthew, those white pages that you see in your Bible, there's 400 years, scholars call the 400 silent years or some call it the time gap. In those years, there was no voice of the prophet. There was no song of the psalmist. There was no pillar of cloud by day or fire by night to lead the people. There was no manna, no quails from heaven, from the, from the sea or from heaven. There was no water from the rock. There was no theophanies or thunderings of Sinai. Four centuries of spiritual death and drought and darkness. The heavens were like brass. God had silenced. There was no man to be seen, found, heard with the oracle of God. There was no thus saith the Lord ever in those years. There was no revelation. There was no information. There was no inspiration. There was no intervention. Ezekiel put it, there was a famine of hearing the word. It was, my dear friends, this morning as if God flicked the pause button switched off the lights, drew the curtains, and said, Good night, I'm gone. He told the people that this would happen. He told them time and time again through the prophets and through his word that that day would come. Isaiah had great word in Isaiah, Is the Lord's heart hand shortened that it cannot save? Is his ear heavy that he cannot hear? No, but your sins and iniquities have separated between you and your God, and I have hid my face from you. Deuteronomy 24 and 20, Because ye transgress and have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And then that classic scripture in Hosea 5, I will go and return unto my place until ye acknowledge your offenses and seek my face. Daniel, the great prophetic chapter, the great prophetic preacher, Daniel in Daniel 12, ends up his great prophecy saying, the book is shut up and it's sealed until the end times. Now we are told this morning by some that the worst thing that can befall a nation or a people is that the schools would be closed. 
We are told this morning that the worst thing that can happen to people is that the business world, the business world falls asunder and the play parks are closed and curfews imposed upon the people. Nothing worse can be than that. I can tell you there's something worse and something worse has happened. God has gone. Ichabod over the church. Glory has departed. And he has returned to his place. Now A.W. Tozer says the leader of the people of Israel for these 400 years were custodians of orthodoxy. They spent their lives living in the past. And what happened? They spent their time guarding and rehearsing and rehashing and defending all that happened in the past. Because there was nothing new to impart. They kept talking about the redemption from Egypt. They kept talking about the Passover and the slaying of the Lamb and the lifting of the Red Sea and the standing up of the River Jordan and the dismantling of Jericho. They talked about David and what David did. They talked about what Samuel, Elijah and, and Samson and Solomon did. And it was like the garlic of onions and onions that they talked about coming out of Egypt. It was coming out of their ears and out of their nose. There was nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing fresh. Nothing different. Nothing exciting. Nothing novel. Dry and barren as the wilderness that John the Baptist came out of. Now hear me. God gave me this message last Sunday night before I went to sleep. And he said, I want you to preach this. Let me say this. Don't be too quick to censor or condemn these people. But I want to say to you, this generation of believers, my generation, we're not one hair better. We're the greatest custodians of orthodoxy, tradition, ritual, and legalism than anybody. My generation of Christians, and I'm saying this with a heavy heart this morning, are more to blame than anything else for the state of our church and our land today. We are masters at grieving, hindering, quenching, vexing, the Holy Spirit. And I say like Nehemiah, whenever he got down to pray and to fast over the state of Jerusalem, he says, we have sinned. I include myself. You can if you like. But if you look down through the generation and through the decades that have gone, why are we in this mess? And I have to trace it back to the church. And I say to you this morning, if this plague, if this plague and this pestilence, and let's call it by biblical names. If this plague and this pestilence doesn't smash and humble and bring the people to repentance, I fear what's coming next. I fear what's coming next. Foot and mouth disease. Bombing, killing, shooting for 30 years. Murders. Bird flu. And on and on, God rattled from heaven to speak to the people to repent. And again, he's, as old J.C. Ryle says, this is the finger of God. And God's finger's pointing at us once more. The church of Jesus Christ this morning, it can be compared to that scene where David went down to slay Goliath. Do you remember he went down with the bread and cheese to the brethren, to his brothers who were going to fight in the battle? They were, they were going to fight. They put the battle into array, but they couldn't fight. They had no power. Saul, the mighty man of God who was anointed and filled with the Holy Ghost, he had no power. He had lost the power. He liked the church. 
And whenever he went down to them, Goliath, 40 days and 40 nights, the Goliath of the Philistine was parading up and down the mountain, and there wasn't one of them able to touch him. They put the battle into array, and when this big giant appeared, they all went into the foxholes, and they got down in fear. Until one man came filled with the Holy Ghost and anointed of God with one stone. You know the story. Let me tell you, that's the picture of the church of Jesus Christ and has been for some years. They're hiding this morning. They're duking this morning. Why are they hiding? Why are they duking this morning? Because they have no authority. They have no power. Where are they this morning? Where are these great men of God this morning? When the world is in a crisis, where are they? Well, they're hiding this morning. And they can talk all they like. But unless we have an intervention from heaven, and unless we have men to stand and cry and weep and howl, we're in great trouble. And you better believe it. You better believe that this morning. We're in great trouble for God is angry. We can come to the table. We can come to the tank. We can come with our tie. We can come with our skirt. We can come with our hat. We can come with the King James Version. Turn it over the other side. We can come with our bugles and our drums and our denim jackets and our tattoos. And we can drum and we can shout and we can sing and we can clap. But it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. We need something new. We've tried it all. And I'm not saying anything about some of those things. We've tried it all. Oh, let us never forget what God did in Egypt. Let us never forget the Passover, surely. Let us never forget Luther, Swingley, and Calvin. Let us never forget about the Covenanters and the Reformers and the old Anabaptists and the Puritans. What we do is we build monuments and epitaphs to Wesley, to Whitfield, to Jonathan Edwards, to John Knox, to Evan Roberts, W.P. Nixon, Duncan Campbell. We talk about them. We go back. It's all we have to talk about. I want something new to talk about. Something new that God's do. I'm tired living. I'm tired living in the past. We need to face the facts that the last known move of God of reviving in England will be a hundred years next year. 1922. When that Baptist preacher, Brown, went down to Lowerstaff to conduct a gospel mission and the power of God broke down. The last move of God in, in the British Isles was 1949 in the Hebridean Islands of Scotland. 100 years before that in Ulster. Moves of God through Nicholson. We can't trace anything much back after that. Do you hear that this morning? Does that not shame the evangelical Christians this morning? Does it not shame? Tell me. You know why these people are not able to pray? Are not praying because they weren't praying. Do you know why they're not fasting now? Because they weren't fasting. Do you know why they're not talking about the moves of the Holy Ghost? Because they never talked about it. And they're caught. They're caught this morning. You just can't turn it on now. You can use all the excuses you like and close the church and go into the rooms and zoom and boom or whatever you like, but it doesn't work. What did you come out here for this morning? Did you come out to see a reed shaking in the wind? Or did you come out to hear a word from the heart of God that he gave me last Sunday night and burnt into my heart all week? Time for fooling about's over. We're in great need. We're in crisis. And we must go back to where it started. And you men out there this morning, you elder men, you old retired men playing golf this morning, you never preached on the filling of the Holy Ghost. You never preached on fasting and praying. And we're paying for it. And God help you. We're praying for it this morning. Praying for it this morning. And thank God I want to prophesy to you this morning. I want to say to you this morning that all this is about to change.
going to change. And it's going to change very, very suddenly. It's going to change. We're not to despise the day of small things. But boy, we're in the day of small things and have been for decades. And we seem to be satisfied with it. We fell going out of the barn one Sunday night before last, and we fell some wee boy took a book from Alan. Thank God, if he's not saved, that he'll read it and be saved. And there's mentioned in the prayer meeting here on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night, I think all night somebody, thank God, thank God for the wee fellow that took the book. That's all we have to thank him for. And it's sad that that's all we can say. Someone took a book with the great and mighty God that we have and the Holy Spirit waiting to be poured out. And that's all we have. And that's all we can pray about. And I believe in all my heart this morning, I believe that it's going to change. I believe that the day of Joel is going to be fulfilled. And it shall come to pass afterwards, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy, and old men shall dream dreams, and young men visions. Suddenly this changed. These 400 silent years of darkness and drought, my friend, listen to me this morning, changed in a moment in Luke 1. Now hold on. Here you are, going through the same old thing, Zacharias. Zacharias in the temple, executing the priest's office, burning the incense, sprinkling the sacrifice, chanting the Torah. And suddenly, heaven opened. Suddenly, Gabriel, the mighty archangel, appeared to the right-hand side of the altar. God's back! God's back! The lights are on. The curtain's drawn. God has returned. And how and why did he come back? Well, I read those verses in Luke, and you read them come home. He was back because of prayer. You know the first thing after 400 years? The first message after 400 years from God to, to a man? I've heard thy prayer. <laughs> that amazing. Oh, there were so many things God could have talked about. The 400, I've heard thy prayer. Listen, you pray on. Do you hear me? Or do you think he doesn't hear your prayers? I've heard thy prayer. And mind you, it had been a right while from he was praying for a child. He was an old man, but God heard his prayer. He says, I have heard thy prayer. What's the next thing he said? And boy, we'd need to rub this in today. Fear not. <laughs> There's a word from heaven this morning. There's a word for you from heaven this morning. Fear not. I have redeemed thee. Be afraid of. Someone prayed in the prayer meeting the other night. A lot of people are, not, are wearing masks, and I'm not criticizing masks. You wear masks if you want. A lot of people are wearing masks because uh, 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 it's ourselves that they're thinking of. It's not, oh, we have to keep other people safe. No, it's ourselves they're thinking of. They don't want to go to heaven. The first thing he said to them, he said, I have heard thy prayer. There was a multitude praying without. Zacharias was praying. Elizabeth was praying. The multitude was praying without. The whole thing was doused in prayer when he came. And it's going to be doused in prayer when he comes again, if it's anything to do with this house. The whole multitude, after four centuries, the whole place was saturated in prayer. Thy prayer is heard. Thy wife, 
Elizabeth will bear a son, and his name will be called John, John the Baptist, a man sent from God. We need men sent from God. And I don't see very many of them. And I'm an old man. A man sent from God. A man sent from God. He was sent from God. He was filled with God. He was anointed with God. God is not going to use new methods. We see that in the praying. We see that in the fearing. We see that in John the Baptist. He's not going to use new methods. He needs men. That will trust him and believe him. John the Baptist was a voice. He came with the word of God. He came preaching the word. That's what it says. That word is rima. It is the word out of the word. There's two words for word. This word is rima. He came with a word out of the word. I have to come down here this morning with a word out of the word. And it doesn't come easy sometimes, you know. And while that had text come to me on Sunday night, I tell you, there's a lot of work at it. And it needs to come from God. Not from Google box or anywhere else, from God. We need a word from God. People are hungry for a word from God. They're hungry for something from heaven. Want something new. We're tired of this old stale meetings and going in and going out and we've been doing it for years. Full of legalism and ritual and tradition. We're, we're, we're tired of it all. We want something new. Something new. People used to say to Leonard Ravenhill long ago, Leonard Ravenhill said, people used to come to me and say, where is, is Elijah's God? And he would come back with the answer, where are God's Elijah's? I believe that there's God's Elijah's in this house this morning. I believe there's God's Elijah's listening to this, will listen to this message this morning somewhere. And I believe that God will put his hand on some young man, men and women in this last and dark hour. Maybe you're here this morning, a young man or an older man, and you're saved for years. Tell me this, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Have you had an encounter with God where you lay down before God and said, I'm tired, I'm not hardly much better than when I was saved, I need something new, something real. I want rid of all this old stuff that's hindering me and keeping me back from God. Have you ever come into an encounter with God? Have you ever got down before him and lay there and stayed there until he filled you? You need to do that. Because God's people are, God's ready if his people are ready. Whole of Judea and Jerusalem were drawn out to this man out in the desert. He had no prayer letter, he had no iPad, he had no Facebook, he had no advertising program, he had no Zoom. And the old Orthodox boys, the old Jews and the Pharisees, and the old Orthodox boys come to interrogate him. They read the word. They don't like something new. His boys don't like anything new. They want to stay on in their old tradition, ritual, dotting I's and crossing T's. Again, I have to say, it's not working. They came out into the desert to see him and interrogated him. They said to him, who do you think you are? Are you Christ? No, he says, I'm not. He says, I wouldn't be worthy to loosen his shoes. In fact, in Matthew's rendering of that, it says, I wouldn't be worthy to push his shoes over to his feet. This is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. You know what Jesus said about him? He says, there's none greater born of woman. Well, that takes Abram in. And that takes Moses in. There was none greater born of woman than John the Baptist. 
He says, I'm not worthy to push the sandals over to my Savior's feet. He says, are you the Christ? No, I'm not. Are you Elijah? No, I'm not. Are you the other prophet that they talked about? No, I'm not. And then they were finished. They had nothing else to say. And then they wrote him off. They wrote him off. We don't know who you are. We're all right the way we are. He didn't fit into their box. He he didn't tick their box. What college did you go to? I was in the desert for 20 years. Butracity was in the desert. He came forth from from the deserts, and there's an S on it. God has his man 20 years in the desert. And go to Bible college now for six months and they think they own the place. 20 years. What college did you go to? What denomination do you belong to? Oh, oh. Many degrees have you. I applied for Bible college 40 years ago. I knew God was dealing with me and I knew he was calling me and I didn't know where to go or what to do and I contacted a certain Bible call. Do you know what the first question the boy says to me? How many O-levels have you? I says, I have none. I left school whenever I was 14. Shouldn't have left it till I was 15, but I left at 14 and nobody came looking about me. And I'm not to cry in education. Get all of it you can. This, this man that then brought in this new dimension, this man, listen, do you know what he was? He was the forerunner for Christ's first coming. That's what he was. He was making the way for the king. And that's what we're doing in these prayer meetings here. We're making a way for the king to come. The second time. We're making the path straight. And we need to straighten ourselves first. That's what he was here for. He was a man of strange dress. He wrapped camel hair around him. That's all he had. He was a man of strange diet. Locusts and wild honey. He would step in behind a rock and and get her locust. That was his breakfast. And then he would get something. There's a big locust, another one. Skin it and eat it. He wasn't worrying about getting home early for his dinner. <laughs> locust and wild honey. Money got in amongst the bees and he got the honey out. God fed him and he knew how to feed him too. He was a man of strange dress. He was a man of strange diet. He was a man of strange doctrine. Listen. Friends, listen to me this morning. He came unto all the country round about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. He came as a forerunner to Christ and the forerunner to Christ is repent. Jesus started off preaching repentance. Paul started off preaching repentance. Peter preached off preaching repentance. When do you last hear on a crying, howling message on repentance to the church? Repent. 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 He came, he came with a doctrine of repentance. The first coming, making the way for the king for the first time. A remnant preached repentance. There's only a remnant. Do you know the first time that he came, there was only a remnant? And do you know the second time that he's coming, and when he's coming in revival, there'll only be a remnant? Because God's scattering Christians like I never seen the like of these, scattering like skittles. And he's looking for men and women who will fear not and stand and hold on in these last dark days. And that's what he is this church here for. And you believe it. You can believe it if you like. There's a remnant. There was Zacharias, there was Elizabeth, there was Simeon, Anna, 
And John, the Baptist, and a few others waiting, weeping, praying for the consolation of Israel. You see, all revivals have two things marked. I have 55 books in my study on revival. There's not a revival that I haven't a book on. And I've read most of them. But I noticed a number of things in all these revivals, and that's what keeps me praying, and that keeps me waiting, and that's what keeps me and these men here, good and great and praying men and women we have here, that's what makes us stand on the promises of God. There are two things above all else, and all there's prayer and there's everything else and other things that go with it, and holiness and cleanliness of life. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. You can't whip down a revival whenever you want. God is sovereign. You need to learn that. He's sovereign over everything that happens. And He knows when revival will come. But He puts men and women together and He he gets men and women praying and he, he gets men and women in unity. There's a responsibility to make the highway, to make the road for the king to come. You hear that now this morning, you young people. But I'm addressing younger people this morning because my generation again have failed. And I don't think there's a lot of them you'll ever resurrect now. Do you hear that? There's the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man, and the responsibility of man was to preach the word. Preach. Preach. Preach repentance. The need of the hour, listen, the need of the hour the first time that he came is the same as the second time he came. The very need of the hour the first time he came, and the need of the hour the second time he came, was the nation was riddled in apostasy. They turned away from the truth. The church and the state were mixed up. In those 400 years, they went on and on and on. Noel Herod built them a temple. And Herod and the Romans made the roads for them. And they all got mixed up in, in all that Herod was doing. And they were going what Herod was saying to do, and they were, they were bludgeoned into submission, the Jewish people, when you open into Matthew's gospel, bludgeoned into submission by the way. Tell me this. Did you ever think you'd see the day in Ulster? When men and women, I'm not talking about one domination, I'm talking about many denominations. When men and women from many denominations lectured us about ecumenism, about modernism, about humanism, and when the ecumenic church gets together and they all stand together and they say, close the church, they put up their hand and nod the head, we'll close too. You mightn't think that's too gracious. I don't, well, I don't care whether you do or not. I'm only telling you. Do you ever see the day? Talk about apostasy. Talk about, talk about running in the crisis hour. Well, I know this CD will go out and Bluetooth or YouTube work. I know that. Well, I must be faithful to the word the Lord gives me. And if you don't think I'm telling the truth, then you, you think about it. In the past, there were two high priests, and the, the law of God said there to be one high priest, and he was to be a holy man. There were two high priests in here when Zacharias was here. Two high priests, and both of them were corrupt. So it needed something new. It needed cleansing. It needed purging. The second thing is, it was rifled with immorality, just the same as today. Paul says, in the last days, perilous times will come before the Lord comes back. Well, before he came the first time, it was laced with, with immorality. 
they were a state and cesspool of iniquity. One of the first things, listen, one of the first things, if not the first thing, John the Baptist did and preached what he went to the King Herod. He says, it's not lawful for you to have her. He was living with another man's wife. Adultery. Adultery. Who oh, if I could get anywhere near Downing Street this morning and knock you on big door with the blue door and all the windows and knock it this morning and Mr. Johnson, my namesake, would come out, I would have to say to him, it's not lawful for thee to have her. Maybe if you sort that out, we'll see God starting to move. Boy, that's strong this morning. It is. But it's truth. Do you think that adultery is any different today than it was then? John the Baptist went straight. The commandments, you see, were so precious to God and so precious to God they are and so precious to the man that he sent and groomed him for 20 years in the wilderness. And the second thing we see at his first coming, that we see at his second coming, was the murder of the children. Mm-hmm. Herod. All the boy children from two years and old under were beheaded. There was a great lamentation. Any wonder? There was a great mourning. They're not waiting until they're two years old. Now they're killing them at two weeks and two months. And legally doing it. Don't you ever wonder why the judgment of God is upon this nation. Apostasy. Immorality. But I can't close with that. But I can't close with this. There was an urgency. Now listen. As we come to a close. Here's what the Baptist cried a number of times. You'll read it. Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he's saying to them is this. What I'm saying to you this morning. If you want to leave this worldly, ungodly, wicked kingdom of Rome, if you want to get out of this world of system of rule of wickedness and, and power that will damn you to hell, he says, listen, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, how's that word hand grip me? He says, repent ye therefore, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Paul, using the same word, says, it's at our very elbow. He's at our very elbow. My friend, you can't get much closer than the hand and the elbow. Listen, he's coming. He's coming. And you search your heart this morning and make sure you're ready for the king when he comes. Make sure you're not depending on a wee prayer. Make sure that you know in your heart and soul that God has saved you and you have a love for the Word of God and you have a love for prayer and you have a hate for sin and you hate the old TV and the old pornography and everything else. You want to go nowhere near it. You want to pray. You want to be with God's people. You search your heart. He says it's at hand. You see, he was the forerunner. He was running. Do you know why, he, why he's called, one of the reasons he's called the forerunner preparing the way for Christ? He hadn't very long. He had six months to the took the head of him. And Jesus, on the same theme says the same thing. Jesus says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can know. He had three and a half years to get the message over. Bless us, we are getting it over here for decades and decades and decades having no effect. Do 
The king's business requires haste. Let that sink in now. Because some of you is tinkering about this morning and God has given you words and God has shown you things. And God wants you to do something and he wants you to go where, somewhere and you're dragging your feet. Well, here I tell you, listen, from experience I know that you could be passed by very quick and you could go to somebody else. The king's business requires haste. Behold now is the accepted time. Come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. He's at hand this morning. He's at your very elbow this morning. He is here this morning to save you and to set you free. He is here this morning to call you and to bless you and to lead you and to guide you. He's here this morning. He wants to bring you into ministry. He wants to bring you into some blessing and you're dragging your feet. Is there some job that's going to perish or cars or houses? John the Baptist had none of those things, but he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Lie down at the feet of Christ and let all those things go. My friend, it's too late. Damned Christians down to the years, money and land and farms. When we should have been praying and seeking and fasting and crying unto God, and now we're paying for it. For I say again, they can't do it now. I love that wee phrase in Daniel. And I'm almost finished now. I love that wee phrase in Daniel. Where the crisis came and the powers of hell came against them. And all hell broke loose. It says Daniel went into the prayer closet. And there's the wee word you need to mark. As aforetime. <laughs> he didn't pray when the crisis was on. He didn't pray when the authorities were going to throw him into the fire or den the light. He didn't pray then. He was praying. It just was a normal day for him. You can't pray, you know. You can't pray all suddenly become spiritual and start to pray. Oh, no. You can't do that. Two men involved in this whole business of this new agenda and of what God was going to do to bring the king in. There were Elijah and there were John the Baptist. One was raptured and the other was beheaded. That's the only two ways. Death or rapture is only two ways you're going to get out. Death or rapture. I don't know which it will be. I believe it will not be long till he bursts the clouds and come again. I believe that Jesus is coming soon. And whether we die or whether we're raptured, and whether we don't see death or see death, believer, we're going to be with him. What a day that will be whether it's the one or the other, will not matter too much. Just in closing, and it's wrong for a preacher to say in closing and then not go, but just in closing, what manner of people should we be this morning if we believe the Lord is soon coming back? Well, I want to give you three scriptures. Hebrews says, a command in Hebrews, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the coming. The day of, the day of rapture. The day of review, when we'll stand at the judgment seat. The day of reunion, when we'll meet our loved ones again. The day of rewards, when the rewards will be handed out. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And what's happening out there tonight, today? That's what the Lord t t tells us to do. And he look after us. Now the second thing is this. 
Be partakers of the Lord's Supper. As often as you eat this bread and drink this wine, you do show forth the Lord's death until he come. Now, I wouldn't want to be driving down the road with my back to this table and my back to the cross as a believer and he would burst the clouds. I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't like that. Not after he has commanded me to do it. And if you think you're not worthy this morning and you're not right enough this morning to do it, well, go and get worthy and go and get right. And come back next week and do it. I wouldn't want to be turning my back on this table when he said, as often as you do this, you show forth the Lord's death until he come, the last one. And you can get this for yourself sometime. It's very important. James 5 and verse 7. Listen. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. And what he's saying there, and he's saying to me and you, saints, this morning, be strong and be courageous. Be faithful, be long. Those words are all in there. If you want to turn to James 5 sometime, those words are all in there. He says, I am going to send, if you're patient, if you wait, I'm going to send the early and I'm going to send the latter rain. And that speaks of revival. And here's something I picked up during the week. And it blessed my soul to no end. The early rain comes in October and it softens the ground with the seed. And then in the spring, in the spring, the latter rain comes. And one old scholar who studied this verse says, the latter and the early rain as far as this verse is concerned, means they're going to both come together. <laughs> what a flood that will be. What a flood that will be. Before the king comes. I believe there's going to be revival with all my heart and soul before the king comes. Have lost count of the weddings I've conducted here and over there. In fact, I have two coming off this year. I never, never yet saw a bride coming down that aisle with a jollop of coleslaw or HP sauce or red sauce on her dress. And God's not coming for a dirty church. He's coming for a purified, clean bride. And he's going to come shortly. Get ready, friend. Start making the road. Start making the way. Get in on Monday night, Wednesday night, and Friday night. Get into the prayer wherever else you're praying. I'm not only praying here. There's people praying all over the place. God bless them. Get into the place of prayer. Get right with God. Because the king is coming. The king is coming. Hallelujah. What a day that will be. It's going to be mighty. He's coming soon. He could come today. Make the way. Repent. And those of you who are not saved and be converted that your sins may be blotted out.